Island Rugby Season Preview Part 2 We're in the Huntsman Seems appropriate We've done a lot of podcasts From here over the years We have indeed William Davis here Afternoon Rob Good to have you along Thank you It's good to be here We're having uh, Behind the scenes meetings To uh, strengthen the long term uh, Viability of what we do Let's just say that Both on Galway Bay And and in terms of uh, Craig Island Rugby So we're busy out Behind the scenes folks Ensuring that What you got last year Is only the beginning Coming up on today's show, audio from the Pro 12 launch, including a Welsh preview. We got caught up with a couple of knowledgeable Welsh journalists, who've been, one of whom has been on this uh, podcast before. We are also going to hear from the CEO of the Pro 12, Mark Nanai. And uh, as well as that, we've got audio from today's press conference, a couple of comic players in that. Not to mention the fact we'll have an injury update, a Glasgow preview, and lots more besides. Peter O'Reilly from the Sunday Times, don't forget him too. Glasgow coming up this weekend. Yeah, I think uh, one game at a time will be the the mantra. Uh, there's a lot of injuries, and that's a concern because the season hasn't really begun. And it's a big game on Saturday. They're going to come steely-eyed and determined for revenge. I'd say they're still smarting over those two games in May. And uh, it's time for the champions to stand up and start defending their title. Press conference. Ahead of the game, Pat Lamb sat down, gave the injury list. Four hours later, we uh, got on to other questions. Here they are. Here are the injuries. Not normally we play audio from our press conference, which is just Pat Lamb reading out injuries, but on the first game of the season, I think we're better. Louise will send us out if you haven't already got it. Um, um, props, Connor Kerry, you know, he following his shoulder surgery injury on arrival, uh, has returned to full training, due to be available for selection next week. Uh, Nathan White continuing his recovery from uh, last season's uh, head injury sustained from concussion um, Conan O'Donnell is returning from foot injury um, yeah, which ruled him out of the under 20s but uh, he's not too far off the second row is we're having a few problems both Quinn Roos um, got a hip injury uh, Andrew Brown is a thigh injury they're both undergoing rehab with with the injuries sustained in pre-season, they should be they're unavailable for selection probably for another two or three weeks. Ben Marshall's continuing his recovery from uh, last season's head injury, sustained from concussion, and then I suppose the next guys in line to cover that area would be Sean O'Brien, and uh, he injured his ankle in pre-season, and um, he probably won't be back for another you know till early October. Owen Masterson, as we know would be another one who could probably cover that and from the back row. And uh, he's continued his recovery due back in uh, December. And then we go to Academy. Uh, Keen Remain, Peter Claffey and Killian Gallagher, two, the two locks who are involved in the under-20s, um, you know, who we were hoping to come through. They're all unavailable through injury as well. Jake Heenan in the back row, um, as you all saw in our pre-season game against um, Montpellier, had a nasty gash, so um, he's had uh, surgery on that and... That's um, all about healing, but hopefully early October. And then in the backs, uh, John Cooney uh, sustained that shoulder injury in the final. Um, and so we're hoping he's, he'll be back by um, you know, by the end of this month, uh, sorry, September, early October. Craig Ronaldson, he injured his thigh and he's progressing well, but his due date is around late September, early October. Daryl Leader. His hand, um, he underwent some more surgery. 
on his hand injury and he's looking to return in February 2017. And then just to confirm to everyone, if they didn't know already, that Marnitz Boshoff um, will be won't be available until after Curry Cup concludes. So that should be should be early November. Okay. Right. Okay, who's left, William? Not too many second rows to start with. No, I'm a bit past playing second row, I think, <laughs> Rob, so I won't bring my kit along on Saturday. Um, he's going to be mixing and matching, I'd say, and uh, part of, I think, the skill set is that all players who are available be expected to fit into the pattern and be ready to go, but it's it's tricky and it's difficult having injured players around a squad as well because they're in rehabbing and they're they're probably very fed up and they're missing out on the start and but it's the story of professional sport i'm amazed west ham who i support the number of injuries they've got their season's only going a couple of weeks and the list is running into double figures it's it's just part of the game now and you need massive squads to cover it but this this is serious back rows and whatever he's gonna have to he might have to pull a few rabbits out of hats here West Ham got themselves knocked out of Europe anyway, so they saved themselves a few games. Anyway, he's moving on. Alan looks at me like, did you just mention West Ham? And is that a question going through? No, don't worry. <laughs> Soccer. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just, just checking to see. Glasgow are playing Canada A tonight in a friendly. Yes, I saw that. Tonight? Tonight, Tuesday before a game. Yeah. I nearly put that up at the press conference, but... Uh, mm, well, I'm assuming that's Glasgow B playing Canada A. Well, no, it's a mixture of their youth and experienced players. They've, they've put out one or two guys out there that is, I'm quite surprised. So, yeah. obviously, they don't have as many injuries as we do. I'd nearly, I'd nearly <laughs> argue that whoever we see in that game probably won't be involved in the trip over here. All right, from the injuries then to the game, obviously people will forgive us for not going into mass detail because you'll see why. We've got some great audio on the Pro 12 launch and the season ahead we'll obviously have a good idea where Glasgow and Connacht are a better idea after the game the next day but that said we've got to look ahead to it Alan optimistic it's hard to know what to think really ahead of the first game of the season yeah I don't want to say anything because I don't know what team we've got mm. like it's very difficult to, to you know make any prediction when you don't know what team we're putting out what team they're putting out injuries though are a worry and you mentioned Craig Ronaldson when you came in there you hadn't heard that and you were like oh yeah huge huge issue for me is the fact that he's still he's still out um because I was looking forward to seeing himself and Bundy in the midfield, but we still have options in there. There's still some very good options. We, you know, you could have an issue. You could, you could really look at. We have an awful lot of players who Pat puts trust in, and he puts trust in the young fellas, and it's something that nobody else appears to do as well as we do in the league. Because if you look at somebody even the other provinces, as soon as their players come back from international, they're just put straight back in the team, and the young guys are just left to the side. Our guys seem to hold on to their spot that bit longer. And so they know that if they play well, they'll, they'll have a chance of staying in the team. They're another year older, another year under the same system and an improving system and a changing system. Um, I don't see why we can't go for a three in a row that we've never done against Glasgow before. The best we've ever had was two wins and a draw back in 2003-2004. Um, so yeah, the, the history isn't with us, but uh, we broke history all last year. There's no reason why we can't do it again this year. Bumped into one of the players in the car park. I won't mention who, because even though he was saying positive, I don't think he thought he was being interviewed, but he just noted that, you know, I know we have the injuries, but the whole concept of what we're about is guys stepping into the jersey. So I think it's a good point. The players are very confident and they don't get rocked by kind of, oh no, he's out. Let's be honest, when Dennis Buckley went down and when we lost Jack Carty, you know, towards the end of the season, we thought these are going to be killer blows, but we, we got on with things. Absolutely, and that's uh, that was the whole style of last season. And there's no, there's no reason to believe it's going to be any different this year. Um, but there will be the added 
uh, enticement for the opposition when they're playing the champions to up your game and Glasgow really will be on a, a mission for revenge you, you just can't get past that yeah Bucky's have it as a scratch game which they did for the semi-final as well I believe so yeah the Bucky's can't can't <laughs> make a decision on it so how are we meant to <laughs> well David first uh, appearance in the podcast he was at the press conference today and he's going to be talking to Napier Fox Man Mua. Uh, how's the knee first of all? Yeah, it's good. Like I've put a lot of work into it. I've had long enough to work on it with the strength and conditioning and the medical staff. And um, I feel like it's yeah back to 100%. Um, there's been a, it's been a curtailed pre-season in terms of game time. As someone's coming back from injury, do you, do you regret the fact there hasn't been more games or are you quite happy to do all your work on the training paddock? Like you could always be um, running fit and you know where you get flogged in pre-season. And um, it was definitely good to get that hit out against Montpellier for that sort of match fitness. But we've done a um, bit of scenario work within camp and stuff, so I'm pretty um, satisfied with what we've had this preseason. Yeah, you were you became a fan favourite quite quickly. Your performances made you very popular with the, with, with the support. Then you had that injury. Do you feel mentally and physically you're back to where you were, let's say, this time last year? Um, yeah, definitely mentally and physically. Um, last year I had a strong preseason behind me and. Um, a lot of clarity was done and catching up on the new calls and stuff. And um, this year I'm another year, you know, with the same sort of systems and stuff behind me. So I think mentally I'm even further ahead than what I would have been um, this time last year. Now, you also had to sit out probably one of the colleagues most successful ever season. Is that, was that frustrating from you? That frustrating from your personal perspective? Uh, it definitely makes me more determined. Like it was, um, it was obviously I was delighted watching the lads um, over in Edinburgh um, last season winning, but. Um, it just made me, yeah, there's definitely a fire in the belly to get back. But it just shows the depth um, that they have over here. Like, um, I went down and another another seven, Jake stepped up and um, did wonderfully. And James Connolly was in there as well. And, uh, and your champions, does that give you an extra bonus to step when you go out to the pitch on Saturday? Or is that just irrelevant when it comes to once the whistle goes up? No, we've um, put a huge emphasis on starting fresh. Like, we're back square one. We're not... Um, we're not out to defend the title, we're out to win one, so that's that's our goal for the season. And have you set, has the team squad set itself any minimum goals or is it just focus on the next game? No, we've been pretty next game, one game at a time, sort of focus for now. Yeah, yeah, definitely that's yeah. yeah. We we put that we want to qualify for the um, Champions Cup again, so that's that's one of the and I was, I was talking to some of the other injured players, they all they're all aiming to, they all hope to get back to and playing for in the Champions Cup. Was the fact that, that that was there for you was that another incident to get back quicker into not really. Like I just wanted to be back on the field <laughs> to start with. I don't really care who it's against, to be honest. But um, um, yeah, it's definitely a bonus when you're playing against some of those bigger clubs, um, some of the bigger names as well. It's just a bigger stage. We flagged it already. Some of the things we're going to talk about. So before we get into some of the great audio we picked up at the Pro 12 launch, uh, William, we've got to talk about the big story today in the Irish Independent. Rory O'Connor had it. Terryland Park being considered as a home venue for Connacht. It's a big story. Um, I, he obviously doesn't say exactly where it comes from, and I'm initially, I'd have to say, I'm not very happy with the idea at all. Um, it's a ground that holds maybe 1,200 people for soccer matches. I don't know what the exact capacity is, but it's out of town. It's difficult to get to, and. I don't know. I, 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 I can't see it as a runner, but maybe Connacht have got tired or fed up with what they're trying to achieve at the sports ground. Maybe they're just 
flying a balloon to see if it gets any attention. I, I don't know. It's sort of come out of left field because it's never really been there before. If anything, it was Galway uh, United would share with Connacht rather than the other way around. Yeah, Alan, if there's a positive in this, it's at least the discussions are moving on and you know behind the scenes they're working hard to get a solution. They certainly are. Just looking, the, it's a 5,000 5, capacity, which is... Yeah. <laughs> I think, already, work. <laughs> yeah, no, I think already they're talking about the fact that if they do move there they'll be going towards a 12,000 did I see that quote or something? Yeah I think they were looking at 10 to 12,000 um, which is you know I don't know how they're going to do it it's, In that space yeah Yeah the space yeah, just doesn't it. appear to be there and like, it's very restricted car parking as it is so you know it's not just the size of the ground that's important it's where do people walk where do, how do they get to the ground how do they you know where do they park that's, you know, it's, it's everything that goes with it so I'm, I don't know maybe there's something there we just don't know about yeah, there are other elements that we could talk about, but we'd be in the realms of real speculation. You know, there has been some talk about possible redevelopments around the area as well for car parking, but there are some question marks over whether that's possible as well. It's just the location. I mean, being close to the city centre, I think, really helps them where they are now. There's, uh, there's pubs if you want to drink, and there's restaurants if you want to have something to eat, and Terryland is co- just an isolated place that's... It, it, it doesn't I, I, I can't see the advantages but obviously we don't know the full story and maybe when we're given it we might be able to say yeah okay but I, I, at the moment no can't see it okay one man planning for the future is the chief executive of the uh, Pro 12 uh, Guinness Pro 12 we should call it since they put four more years of sponsorship in we should give them a, a good plug Martin and I spoke to the lads Who, which one are you speaking to William good job William and you soon have a real feeling that these guys behind the scenes are trying something a little bit different that could make a big impact I'm with Martin Anai, Managing Director of Pro 12 Rugby. We're at the media launch in the Aviva Stadium here. You're very welcome along to Galway Bay FM. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a fantastic occasion. We're here at the Aviva Stadium where we'll have the Guinness Pro 12 final on the 27th of May. So uh, to all your listeners, make sure you go and buy a ticket. Could well see a repeat of last year's final, so um, buy them now before they run out. Yep, that's the plan, folks. Get out there, get online, grab them before they go. When... Connacht started producing last season and we're near the top of the table Did, was that a, a surprise do you think in the, in the upper echelons of, of Pro 12, was it, did, did you think it would eventually run out of steam? Uh, no, because we, we, you know, we, we know Willie Rowan, the CEO at Connacht Rugby we know Pat um, oh, we, get, we got to know him quite well throughout the course of the season um, you know, we were inspired by him you know, something he says uh, about waking up every morning and being a bit better than you were the day before. And we use that mantra uh, at Pro 12 Rugby. So, um, you know, we kind of saw the players, the players are there with AJ, with Muldoon, um, you know, but even people like Healy and, you know, you, you started having, you know, suddenly these guys are becoming household names, you know, Delane and, and others. And you think, okay, no, actually, okay, they may, be, may not have been the, the fancy team, um, with Henshaw there as well, they they were in, starting to be a named team, and that's almost the, the kind of the way that you can measure success. Um, is that these players were starting to come, become household names, and as soon as that started to happen, I think the belief the belief came quite quickly after that that actually this team was on a march. Um, and as you probably know, you know momentum is quite a big thing in rugby, and certainly in the in the Guinness Pro 12, if you've got momentum coming into uh, where you're losing your internationals and you take that momentum out of those international periods, it's a very hard thing for anybody to catch you. And you know we, we saw that we saw that come true. I think they, the moment they beat Glasgow, 
at home uh, round 22 wasn't it last round of the season uh, it was like wow this is this is going to be tasty you know I think that moment where they beat Glasgow they almost you could see that they almost started to believe um, that it was going to be very very hard to beat them did it come at the right time in some ways for Pro 12, that one of what would be regarded as the, mm. the smaller teams yeah. actually m- made the run and then won it, and that attracted more media attention? I think so, because at the same time as we were seeing Connacht do uh, unbelievable things on a much smaller budget than everybody else, uh, and it was about team and ethos and about getting your processes right and... A lot of these players are a very similar level, so it's just that added extra, it's that 1% extra. And Pat was getting that from, from his players. But you're also seeing that with Leicester City in the, in the Premier League, where actually it wasn't just about money. It was, it was something more than that. It was about a belief, it was about a collective uh, teamwork to, to that's our aim, that's our goal, this is how we achieve it. So it wasn't just about money. And that was... That was a story of the season, I think, for us. Um, so it came the right time for us. Um, it came the right time for Irish rugby. Um, and to have now four really strong provinces is, is great for the competition. Looking at it as somebody who follows it quite closely, is there still a feeling that there are issues with the, the two sides in Italy and how they're progressing? And that if you're going to shoehorn in the internationals to play more for Pro 12, there's going to have to be a radical reappraisal of the fixture list. Yeah, or, or structures of how you structure the season. Uh, we, we've done a lot of due diligence, a lot of work on, uh, you know, would conferences work, going down to separating the, the league into two separate conferences and playing slightly less games overall. Um, I think Italy's a really interesting case. You've, you've got Conor O'Shea who's gone in... Uh, as the, the head coach of the Italian Federation, but actually his, his influence is being seen already on the two, on the two pro sides in Zebre and Treviso. Uh, you've got Kieran Crowley coming in, very uh, respected head coach at Treviso. Uh, you've got Mike Catt coming in as skills coach, he's doing a lot of work with the teams. You've got Steve Abood from the IRFUs that's come in um, to develop their pathways. Yeah. They've got 89,000, I think, might be slightly less than that. 89,000 registered players. That's three times as many registered players as Scotland. So, you know, it's certainly not a case of the player base isn't there. Um, and I think with the, the processes that they're putting in place and the personnel they put in place, it, we think over the next two years we're going to see a much, a much different uh, you know, results from those two teams. Finally, looking forward to the coming season, which we're launching here today. If you had to pick one thing that you want to see and be able to say next May, we targeted that and it happened, what would it be? That's a very good question. Um, I think going into round 22 and being as competitive as it was um, last season, you know, we had there was something to play for in every single fixture at the end of last season on round 22. I think this year, to add spice to that, round 22 is also derby round as well. So we've put the derbies onto the last round. So not only are you playing for something, you're trying to get into the semi-finals and the final, you're also trying to make sure you, you get your Champions, League, uh, Champions Cup uh, spot um, in Europe. But you're also, it's a derby game, and that's the added spice. And 
we just we just hope that, that we continue our growth. And honestly, that's where we are. We we we, we saw 5.4% growth in our TV numbers, and we want to kick on to make sure that's even higher. And we're going to do that, provided we tell the right story about these big games. And um, so, if we end the season uh, here with a full house, then that's the success, isn't it? All right, let's move from there on to our Welsh preview, if you like. Sit down with two men who know Welsh rugby true and true, who I'll introduce in a second. But this might help you if you're in our Pro 12 Prediction League or you're in our fantasy uh, competition where we're going to pick a team together as a group, Craggy Rugby. We are, yeah. Rather, you know, to take the pressure off us and, and to see whether... Um, can, we, can we have a, a selection committee? It's like the old days. I think we will. I think we're definitely going to have some selection selection policy that will have to be put in place as to who we're going to, to go with. But yeah, the Pro 12, we're using uh, the Guinness Pro 12 or, or have a, a fantasy competition on their site. Um, we tweeted it out yesterday. Um, yeah, so we want to see who's who can knows you, their stuff. Can you beat all of us together, combined? It'll be good going. But one good way to help you along in terms of the preview is listen to these lads because they'll give you a good feeling for what the scene is like in Wales and who to look out for. I've got two Welshmen with me now, Andrew Grillam from Westgate Sports Agency. Hi. <laughs> good to have you on the podcast for the first time. Yes, yeah, thanks, yeah. Great day to be here as well. And from the South Wales Evening Post, Rob Lloyd, and you're not making your debut, you were on with us uh, back that's in Clenetti earlier in the year. Back, yeah. yeah, that's right, when... Uh, Connacht robbed, I would say, in that in that game at Parker oh. Scarlet. It was a real. Uh, they dominated for long periods, and um, yeah, just a late late penalty. I think it was by Steve Shingler actually. Yeah. Snuck the game for the Scarlets. That uh, yeah, sort of recovered pretty well after that Connacht in fairness to them. So uh, yeah, things have uh, moved on since then. All right, there was a slight break there because the batteries went, and it will it will be coming up later in the podcast. Don't you worry, guys. But uh, Rob, yeah, so the Scarlets beat Connacht that day but the comeback for Connacht was beating the Scarlets a few weeks later and for me it was probably a turning point in both teams season really Yeah at that stage you felt the Scarlets would probably kick on and looking at the fixtures they had left they'd probably be you know, in the top four but uh, they had a, a couple of really disappointing performances at home against Cardiff Blues and then they got well beaten by Glasgow and um, yeah, very quickly they fell behind uh, uh, you know, the other contenders and were left going to Limerick to try and win and hope the Ospreys did them a favour against Celsta and as, as things transpired, they, you know, it was uh, both sides lost and uh, yeah, no Welsh representation in the in the playoffs, unfortunately. Yeah, that took away from it. You always want that kind of balance across the countries. Yeah. That said, Andrew Connacht, are some story last year, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think you know you'd put that on a par with Leicester City winning the Premier League in football, wouldn't you? So unexpected. I mean, I think everyone knows what a good job Pat Lambert's done there, but I don't think anyone truly expected them to cling on and then perform as well as they did in the playoffs. I think if you looked at that stage of the season, Glasgow were coming particularly strong. I think they'd won sort of eight in a row. Um, but, you know, fair play to them. They did a fantastic job. And, I mean, as you say, one of the great sports stories of last season, undoubtedly. Do you think it's going to inspire, drive, frustrate some of the fans and some of the people behind the Welsh regions that Connacht have been able to do what they've done? Will it make them think, come on, we've got, we got to... We've got to really go at this. Um, I'm not sure if it's extra motivation, but I mean, it certainly shows that when you get your approach right, and you know, it's not just about recruiting big name players. You know, if you can um, foster a certain spirit and a belief, it shows how far you can go. You know, and I think um, you know, in Wales, we do make a big deal out of um, how much money is spent in other leagues compared to the Pro 12. But I think Connor showed last season that you know, it's not all about that. You know, a good team, well drilled know what they're doing it can go a long way in this competition I mean there's certainly a lot of frustration that they didn't have a team in the playoffs and we've only got one team in the Champions Cup this season I mean 
you know, you'd think that the Ospreys would have to do better than they did last season, really. Uh, the Blues are a bit of a coming force and the Danny Wilson. So, I mean, I'd, I'd expect to see the Welsh regions perform better than they did last year, definitely. I think a, a Welsh win could give the injections to the competition in the same way an Irish win gave it and definitely gave Irish rugby, when, sorry, when I say Irish, a Connacht win, and gave Irish rugby and, and gave the competition. Yeah, I think Andrew made a great point there. I mean, in Wales, a lot of the time we sort of use... Uh, jealousy of other leagues and the lack of money as, as a little bit of an excuse and I think I don't think that's there this year the people have seen that culture and, and spirit that Cornock have had last season and you know Welsh regions will have to say well why not us you know, and there's, and there's no reason why not because there's still a lot of quality you know you look at the Scarlet's potential the back division next year and it's pretty much the quality as good as, you, as you'll get the Ospreys you know signed Bradley Davis and, and come in and their back row is, is full of international quality so if they can avoid injuries which is key I suppose with the Welsh regions um, depth has always been an issue so you can get their first choice sides on the park you know they will be contenders but you know, big name injuries do hurt as the Scarlets found last year they were without Scott Williams and Liam Williams for the majority of the season and to lose two players of that quality is, it makes a huge impact on any side really. Yeah people won't realise how good the Scarlets can be some people won't realise most of us do but if they get everyone together like they should be one of the contenders for the title So it's it's always been the issue with the Scarlets they've always had the talent behind the scrum it's whether they've, they've got the platform um and unfortunately for them, they're without Samson Lee and Rob Evans, two wheeled international props for the start of the season. So that's going to have an immediate impact. But you know, what's the start like for the Scarlets in terms of fixtures? Well, they start at Munster first up, and then they go to Edinburgh, and, and then I think Ulster away. So it's, oh, it's a tricky start. Yeah. Um, obviously, at the moment everyone's fit, so potentially you've got your Scott Williams, your John Davis. Obviously, who's back from Clermont. Um, DTH Van der Merwe's fit. Liam Williams, Gareth Davis, Reese Patchell's come on board from the Blues. Um, a lot of people excited about his potential in the number 10 jersey. So, yeah, on hard tracks at the start of the season, they could play some great rugby, but it, it's whether they can get that platform at the start. Andrew, I'll ask you about the Ospreys because they're the one team that came to the sports ground last year. And if, you, if Connacht fans were to pick one game where they felt they just got out of jail a little bit, it was the Ospreys. They were brilliant. And they fell away after that defeat. Had they beaten Connacht, they may well have driven on to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think that was sort of the story of the Ospreys season. You know, they had a very slow start. You know, they, I think they were particularly hampered by the number of internationals they had away at the World Cup and they were always playing catch-up from there I mean you talk about that Connacht game I think that was one of those games they say a turning point where if they'd have won they might have been able to bridge the gap and, and that was they were always just on the brink of getting back there but they'd have a costly defeat I mean they, they lost to the Scarlets at home as Rob will know just when they were getting back into the mix and they just left themselves too much to do and you know, I just think that there's, um, you, know, you speak to the players and coaches there's a real resolve that they'll be better this year I mean you know that's not what the Ospreys have been about traditionally. They have tended to be in the mix for the title, and they've obviously been in the Champions Cup. So I think they'll be better. But I mean, as you say, that um, they left themselves too much to do last season, no question. We're very critical of Cardiff. Like we just think, are you guys critical? Because from an outside, we're just like, when are they going to kick on? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think you know, there's been a lot of chopping and changing of coaches, which I don't think has helped them. You know, Mark Hammett last did. It was barely six months the season before last, and you know, if you've been brutally honest, things like that don't help. If you want to, if you want to change, then you've uh, you've got to allow people the time to get into the job and do what they want to do. But I mean, Danny Wilson 
you know, I think um, maybe not that well known outside of Wales, but great reputation from his work with the Scarlets and the Wales under twenties. Real good forwards coach, and I think you've you've seen that in the way the Blues pack performed at the end of last season, yeah. picking, you know, effectively picking four number sevens in the pack, being a real nuisance at the breakdown. And yeah, I think um, I think they'll be a factor this year. I wouldn't go as far as to say, you know, I'd, I'd consider them title contenders, but they're definitely on the way back after far too many years of. If you've been honest, mediocrity. They have a phenomenal record against Connacht because he nearly <laughs> always beat us. Sometimes with a little bit of help from referees and touch touches, but let's, let's let that go. We've gone past that. <laughs> Laptops. <laughs> but that said, like last year, they had a lovely win over us in December, and like we just often scratch our head because we know on their peak, and they won the Challenge Cup a few years ago as well. Of course, yeah, of course. and obviously they brought on Bo- um, Nick Williams on board this year from Ulster, who they hoping to be. Good, a, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a fulcrum for them and someone just to, to carry them and. See, they've got their Welsh internationals, the like of Sam Warburton, Gethin Jenkins. How much rugby they play for the Blues, I don't know. But um, yeah, they've got scum. They got quality throughout that side, but it's always there's always been a source of frustration that they haven't been able to um, transfer that quality into into. They do it at one-off performances, but consistency has always been an issue for the Blues, you know. And uh, I, I definitely, as, as Andrew mentioned, Danny Wilson has, has has made that pack more of a force. He's always seen as a weak link at, at the Arms Park. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, as I said, they're going to they're going to be um, a tough side to beat this year. Players are all just walking in under the tunnel with A4 sheets. I don't know if that's a list of journalists to watch out for or whatever, but <laughs> Craggy's yeah. high up on the list. Uh, quickly before we finish, Dragons. Um, we thought they were getting better. <laughs> they looked yeah. decent enough against us. A couple <laughs> I mean, of young players. Yeah, I mean, they're a curious case, aren't they? Because, I mean, if you look at Europe the last two seasons, OK, it's the Challenge Cup, but they've gone quite deep into that tournament. Um, but in the Pro 12, they just can't seem to get it together. I mean, you know, Kingsley Jones, um, you know, I think Kingsley's a good coach. I mean, they're limited in what they've got to work with, if you're being honest. You know, I, I think they'll be slightly better than last year, but I, I just can't see them making an impact. Um, too inconsistent. And, you know, it's tough because, you know, that area of Wales always a very proud rugby yeah. heritage. Love the town. I love the atmosphere at the ground. Yeah, it's that's British, it. Yeah. It's a real shame, but, you know, they are... It's a bit harsh to say this, but they're almost like the, the runt of the regional litter. And uh, I'm afraid to that's say... Why, that's I, why we like them in Connacht. Yeah, 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 well. it, yeah <laughs> but um, it, it's hard to see that changing, you know. They need investment. Obviously, they're looking for new ownership. And uh, I think until that happens, it's very difficult to see them making any meaningful progress. Yeah, when you lose a player of Falatau's quality as well, and that hurts, you know, and that and that hurts not just on the field, everything surrounding the side, the region, you know, encouraging fans to come along, and you, you need to show ambition. And I think a lot of the, the other regions have, have brought on board some, some exciting players this year, and unfortunately the Dragons... Haven't had a, a, an eye-catching summer at all, really, in terms of who they brought on board. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think they might have a tough, another tough year. Okay, short answers to finish because I hear they've launched their video inside. Uh, we're missing out on Connick's tries against Leinster last year, lads. Watch it all again. Uh, how, uh, two questions: one, how will Connick do? The other, how will the Welsh regions do? Gives kind of a guess. Where do you think Connick will finish this? Year? I think they'll be top six. I think the top six. I think I'll, 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 yeah, I think Ulster would be my favourites at the moment, uh, okay. and I think probably best of Wales. Osprey. Osprey's best of Wales. He's going against his own team's Scarlet. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Playing them down. They, they don't hear this in West Wales. We, yeah. <laughs> we, in GA terms, we, we call the Curry lads cute whores when they start playing themselves down like that. So that's what you're yeah. doing there, uh, Andrew. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I think 
I actually think Connacht will be on the fringes of the playoff places. I okay. think I think they'll be in the mix. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure that they'll quite get there, but like Rob says, I, I would expect them to be top six and qualify right. for the Champions I think Cup. Take that really, yeah. yeah um, again, champions uh, like Rob. Again, I think it's difficult to look beyond Ulster or, or Leinster. And I think top Welsh region, I mean, I'd back the Ospreys, but what I would say is that if if the Scarlet's pack is right with that back line, I think they've got the potential to, to better the Ospreys this season, but I'd probably just give the Ospreys the edge at the moment. Lads, start planning now. Get yourselves over to Goy at some point during the season. <laughs> we'll treat you to nice. free points and we'll great. put you on the podcast. That would be nice. That would be great, yeah. <laughs> Enjoy, lads. Thanks, William. Thanks to Rob and Andrew for that. Another interview, just to finish off our interviews, Peter O'Reilly of the Sunday Times. I caught up with him at the Pro 12 launch in the Viva Stadium. Talked about last season and where Connick might go this year. OK, Peter, one of the things I want to talk about, we're here at the launch of the Pro 12 season. It's early doors yet. We're all, all of us are starting to get our heads around getting back into the new season. But in Connick, as you can imagine, we're on a high. How much has it lifted Irish rugby, what Connick did? Well... Was, <laughs> no, I think it has. Yeah. I think I think specifically for the for the Pro 12, uh, for starters, uh, to have a final like we had in Edinburgh. I mean, we're here obviously standing in the Aviva Stadium, and people are talking about next season's final being here. Um, for the last season to get, first of all, a surprise, uh, a new winner, but not just that. Really, the way the Connacht played, especially in the final, um, the way they took Leinster's defence apart. Um, I kept playing and kept playing and uh, Pro 12 needs teams who are looking to play a bit of rugby to entertain as well as everything else um, so from that point of view I think it was a, it was a huge lift and you also saw it reflected in the summer tour in South Africa final test, Matt Healy on the left wing Tiernan O'Halloran unluckily taken out uh, after making a brilliant start to the game, you know, it reminded me a bit of John Fuldoon in New Zealand years ago where he, on his first on his debut he had a great start but got injured unfortunately but that's that's ancient history sorry John um, so the Connacht was was good for business I think I think it would be good for Leinster because if they'd won the Pro 12 they might have got ideas about themselves that they were in a a better place than they are mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah it was all all positive it has to be good for the game out in the West obviously and um in the old days, the Connacht's successes, when they came along, tended to be a bit about grit and, you know, bottle uh, and grinding out wins in the south of France, and just the, the result was everything. But with Connacht last season, it was the manner of the result that really stood out, and that was what was so good. Yeah, and the way they played, obviously, we have a lot of belief in our players now going into international teams, which is interesting. Like when Alton DeLion came on during the Six Nations, anyone in Connacht will tell you, they sat back and went, this could change the game. Whereas the recipe went, is Alton ready for this? We're about to find out. We, we kind of knew. That's kind of maybe the new angle that Connacht are bringing to this. The players are playing at such a high level within the Pro 12 that there seem to be, like, give you an example, Nia Diolokan. You get the feeling that if he was called into an international squad in November internationals, we'll be telling you he's ready. Like. Yeah, um, I'll still be interested. To, this is an important season. You mentioned Ulton, first of all. Mm. Um, I was a little bit disappointed that he didn't play a bigger part out in South Africa. Okay, yeah. um, so he has a point to prove still. Um, obviously, he finished he finished the season strongly, but I suppose you'd say that from a mechanic point of view, Ali Muldani was probably a more important player to the team. Yeah. So it's an important year for Connacht uh, in that they're going to be going to be watched a lot more closely by by opposition teams, 
Um, it's going to be tougher for them because people will look at the way they played, which perhaps they weren't analysed in such great detail last year, and that's why they kept surprising people. Um, so, uh, but there is talent there, and I think that the generation you talk about, the Adil Okens and, and the Delans, don't think of themselves as being, uh, you know, starstruck and playing on the same team or the same pitch as the other provinces, for example, or Glasgow or Ospreys or anything like that. Um, so the old, I don't know, I don't want to call it a chip in the shoulder, but uh, which, I, when I say chip in the shoulder, I suppose I mean an inferiority complex that might have been used as a motivation. Uh, that's, that's not the, the psychology of Connacht now, as you say. It's um, because every time we saw them win last year towards the business end of the season, it stopped being a surprise after a while. To understand so that they obviously don't think that way. We, I suppose, we're conditioned to think that way of Connacht from from being around too long. People like me, anyway. Uh, whereas that Connacht generation have come through winning underage underage titles, winning interpros, all that sort of thing. So the psychology has changed, and I'm sure that'll be reflected in the results, but also in the numbers of people who go to see them. Yeah, you say that, and maybe the one thing that is missed up in Dublin in the last couple of months is the reach that the team have now into counties like Mayo and Sligo, you know, flying into Knock, 1,500 people there to see them at 1am, that kind of little things. I notice living in Mayo, the amount of people talking rugby, wearing the jerseys more than ever before, it's not necessarily a market that if you were just being purely business that you put a rugby team, but it seems to be like it's going to be sustainable long into the future and as a very successful sporting franchise now. Yeah, when well, you ran with Haitian for her to be say franchise, but anyways, <laughs> no, it is it is a franchise, it is a brand. We don't like those words, but mm. uh, that's the way kind of got to think about it. And for the last couple of years, they've been thinking in a much more business-like way about their product uh, to use another such word I suppose the important thing in all this is is the, the stadium and if, if that's going to happen I don't know, I've been out of the loop now This is we're still in August so I don't know where that is um, but I know there's, a, there's obviously a hunger to, uh, to keep improving the match day experience for, uh, so that the punters are, are coming along expecting a decent day out because they certainly get that when they go if they're Ulster supporters and they go along to Kingspan, you know, it's a, it's a very much a, a user-friendly experience. The RDS is um, idiosyncratic, but also still very, very family-friendly. Uh, and Munster, I suppose, it's a fantastic stadium. Their problem is trying to fill it. So, But uh, Connacht uh, still is a bit quaint um, and... Some it's atmosphere, actually, like. I know, but it's like it's like when Ireland started playing rugby in the in the in the noughties. Yeah, um, Lansdowne Road st- stopped being uh, of an advantage to them because it was a wind tunnel, and they wanted to keep the ball in hand. Um, in the old days, when it was Eric kicking the corners, you could use the sports ground to, to your advantage. Whereas now, the rugby that kind of play is actually they, they prefer a dry ball and and. Um, so that's that's something to, that's going to be interesting to see how that develops. What's the most important thing for you that you want to see in Connacht this year? Do you want to see them continue to produce, produce international players? Do you want them to match with, you know, get to the playoffs again? Do you want to, or maybe is it just a style of play? Do you want to see them trust that style of play and keep with it? Absolutely. I, I want, I, well, yeah, I, I definitely want to, to, to see them continue to try and play because um, that was the astonishing thing about last year for me that I remember being in a, on a wretched day down in Thomond Park how they refused to kick the ball. Uh, but they, they sort of kicked the ball when it was right to kick it, but, but they weren't looking to, um, and they backed their skills. So um, 
you know, my, our most recent experience of watching rugby really, for a lot of people, is watching the sevens in the, in at the uh, at the Olympics, and um, it was just a reminder that that rugby is supposedly about trying to get the ball over the try line and trying to beat players, find 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 gaps in the in the opposing defence, and that was what Connacht did so well last year. So. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see a new fly half come in, um, and it's going to be. Fa- though I think he would probably suit their style of play if he's coming from the Lions, who mm. uh, played a very attractive style. Um, um, he's a goal kicker too, which could help those statistics. Yeah, absolutely. But but yeah, um, the fact that Connacht are going to still um, adorn the, the tournament and adorn Europe uh, and come with something to offer in terms of entertainment, I think that's what I'm looking forward to most. Final segment of the podcast. We've run out of time. We've got meetings to do and stuff. That was Peter O'Reilly at Sunday Times. Thanks to Peter for joining us. Uh, Alan, looking forward to Saturday? Absolutely, absolutely. The weather looks as though it might play ball. I think it'll be wet, but wet in the morning, but it might have cleared by the time we get to the match. Um, so it should be a, a nice, clear day for a game. And um, yeah, can't wait. They'll be in the stand in their usual place. William Davis will be there with him doing the, well, the updates during the game, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's uh, good to get started again. Uh, big game, a lot of pressure, uh, but it should be a full house. Place should be rocking, and hopefully it's the start of another great season for Connacht. Pro 12 champions. We've only mentioned it once in the entire podcast. <laughs> once. That's why I said it. I just realised we hadn't been mentioning the fact that we are the Pro 12 champions. We're the defending champions of the Pro 12. Of the Pro 12. All right, that's it. Guinness Pro 12. Even. Yeah, we won't let you down again, folks. That was a uh, oversight based on being too busy. We gotta go. Bye. <laughs>